This is Omo. 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 Is this Yoko Omo? This is Omo. This is Omo. to the Omo podcast, the romance and reality of violin making. I hope all you Omo sapiens out there are well. What's up, Chris? <laughs> Just interrupting you. You've got one sentence in and I'm trying to interrupt you already. <laughs> You're our host. I'm, I'm the host, Rosie Deloach, and you are. My name is Christopher Jacoby, and I'm coming to you from Berwyn Heights, Maryland, 10 miles from the White House. Very nice. I'm coming to you from Richardson, Texas, just north of Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the latest with you and your shop over there? Oh, I mean, the the governor dropped all mask mandates, uh, restrictions on how many people can be in a certain amount of space. Our county dropped all mandates just this last weekend. Um, We have I I managed the workshop at Potter Violins, for those of you that uh, aren't familiar um, in Tacoma Park, Maryland, wonderful shop. Um, and we are still having people wear masks through the 4th of July weekend. And then we're coming back after that with, uh, something that I actually got from your good management, Rosie, which is, uh, yeah, uh, a mask at your discretion, uh, coming at it from that angle when we were chatting about what you were doing at your shop. Yeah. Yeah. I had to make a similar decision Texas is dropping all the mask mandates as well. Uh, Big surprise. And uh, I came to the conclusion that we could not keep the door locked and do appointment only all the time. And uh, for me and my employees, uh, for courtesy's sake and just abundance of caution, we're continuing to wear masks, but we haven't been pushing that on our customers. But I tell you, it's been, uh, as far as everything else, it's, the shop feels like how it used to as far as the end of the school year craziness super busy people coming in and out that's Uh, great yeah a lot of rentals a lot of sales i remember this energy and it feels good and it feels exhausting (laughs) it is exhausting yeah yeah uh yeah i got about 70 bows at my desk at home to rehair this summer that'll be crazy We got yeah. 70 for this week. Do you want to fight? Yeah. Uh, no, no, you win. Okay. <laughs> it's a super damn hot. Uh, like we were, we were going to have a cookout today with my kids, my wife and I, and uh-huh. it's like 98 in the shade and 150% humidity. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it's the same. It's pretty gross. <laughs> That's Fahrenheit for my homies in France. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but. We have another kind of hotness coming at you. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic guest today, the hotness, Jason Price. Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about this fellow. Oh, Jason's the the founder and director of Teresio, the the international auction house for violins of all kinds. Uh, They also run T2, which is an auction for the trade for weirdos like us that need stuff to restore and put up for sale. That stuff that isn't auction house ready, you know, but still has value. Um, oh, and they it's just, fun stuff to look at. 
It's awesome. I mean, they, they just opened a, a chapter in Berlin. So guys, stay tuned. Coming up, Jason Price. This episode of Omo is brought to you in part by House of Note. Did you know that? I did. Aren't they up in St. Louis Park in Minnesota? They are. They are. And I talked with Jeff Anderson, the owner, recently, and he is feeling that crazy return to normal, brisk, end of May, beginning of June, all the stuff that happens. Rental seasons come in. Yeah. At the, like people making those sales at the end of the year, people picking up new instruments. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's feeling the crazy up there, which is exciting. I don't know if you're getting that at your shop either. Uh, it's, it's starting to feel like, uh, like home again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you guys aren't doing the appointment only policy anymore. We did it for a while. We did uh, locked door appointment only. Yeah. Still trying to enforce appointments, but you know, walk-ins are coming. The it's same. getting yeah, it's getting yeah. crazy. So I'm glad to hear that energy is happening up at House of Note. Hope it's going all around the country like that. Thank you, House of Note, for your investment in the show. <laughs> and just a reminder that House of Note is a full service violin shop serving the community at all levels, from the beginner student to the selective performer hey thank you house of note for your in best <laughs> in the show oh yeah we rule thanks also, Jeff. thank you also we have an update from learning trade secrets yeah yeah so our buddy rodney and his family up in Ashland, Ohio, managed to host a few of his in-depth luthier education classes this year. Um, and, and these ones, because it was just him, they were related to bow making and bow repair. Uh-huh. repair. Um, and, and there's a few spots left for some upcoming bow classes. But uh, Anne wants us to know that they're prepping for a full return in 2022. The Moors and Learning Trade Secrets will be do a full return in 2022. That's great. Full return. Yes. Uh, they'll be teaching bow restoration and bow making, um, but with the return of traveling teachers, um, they'll soon be hosting classes like violin touch-up, advanced setup, instrument making once again. Yeah, guys. So be sure to check learningtradesecrets.com for their current offerings and check back as we all return to normalcy. Uh, you know Calvin Coolidge coined that? My dad made me learn these things. I did not know that. Thank you, Calvin Coolidge. Thank you, Calvin Coolidge. Thank you, Learning Trade Secrets. Yes, thank you, Calvin, for supporting the show. The Anchor Line. Uh, it's an image that keeps haunting me when I chew on what we all do. Um, the Anchor Line is its what we talk about when we talk about fine old instruments. I did blue water diving as a teenager at the Sea Camp Marine Biology Camp on Big Pine Key in Florida, which is gone now, actually, thanks to some hurricanes. And Jimmy Buffett sent kids from inner city Cincinnati down every summer uh, with a book report contest. And for two summers, I entered and won and got to go. So blue line diving, you drop the anchor down into the abyss, out past the coral reefs. And each diver gets their own color flag and you dive down and you leave your marker on the line as low as you can possibly go to have enough air in your lungs, which then expands to get back up into the sun and survive. This sounds dangerous. Yeah, it's it's the best sort of dangerous, especially for (laughs) teenage kids, you know. Um, 
But I keep thinking about um, fine instruments, any instrument, but fine instruments in particular, because they gather this pedigree. Uh, they're like an anchor with the line behind them blowing down into the future, which is dark. And it's dark and it's unknowable. And the past is up above and it's air and it's light. And we know who everyone's teachers were and who they studied with. And we humans go as far down as we can and leave our little flag on the anchor line to the instrument. Our hearts thumping along with the violin for as long as they can until they pop. And then we bail back up and drift into the past. And the violin just keeps blowing down into the dark, into the future with these little human flags attached. Grumiao, Bell, Paganini, Casals. I, I like it. This is, this is deep. No pun intended. But this yeah. is, this is, uh, that's, that's good. So we are getting to play our own little part being flags? Yeah. And these, these instruments are, I mean, hey, guys, these instruments, they're heavy. <laughs> and they're headed places and we are so ephemeral in comparison yeah and it, it's it's really it's appealing you know i mean I, I i go back to my great love is is homer and his works and uh the the one thing that achilles knew is that he had to leave his mark on history and why do we make instruments why do we feel so attached wow. and these human connections with these instruments is you get to leave a little bit of yourself on something which is truly historic. Fantastic. I like it. This is so great. With this amazing opening that I love, I want to formally introduce Jason Price. We've got on the line. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Really nice to be here. Good. Good. We're glad to have you. Hi, Jason. Uh, How are you? <laughs> great. I, I, I want to know if like, who are the sharks in this drama, uh, the underwater <laughs> drama? Are we going to get there? <laughs> You know it's you and Chris Rooney. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, Jason, you grew up, speaking of going back on your line, you grew up near where Chris lives right now. Yes, I did. I grew up in Alexandria. Um, I bought my first viol, my first cello from Bill Weaver. Right uh, and Jerry, Jerry Brobst was my high school orchestra teacher no way and i still have a great relationship with each of them they're really uh they're phenomenal anchors in that uh in that northern virginia uh a pond they're great. what a market they they created yes yeah yeah they really did well it's it's beautiful over there right across the potomac i like alexandria a lot i visited the new potter for the first time about two months ago um i, I you you weren't there chris i think you were uh playing spider-man that day <laughs> <laughs> I was in the hospital. I was excited to to see you too. Yeah, Chase told me you were coming down. So I, I know. I'm sorry I missed you. But I'm, it's I'm, a beautiful shop. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. a fantastic shop. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing you next time. Good next time. Yeah. Tell us more about Teresio, Jason. Yes, I want to hear all about Teresio. Tell me, tell me everything. That's a yeah. Teresio is a long story, and it's had many, many chapters. Um, uh, we started it 22 years ago, uh, and it's it's changed a lot over the years. It's grown and changed um, quite a bit. We uh, we started off basically just seeing that the big guys were sort of sleeping at the wheel, and were putting together sales with kind of flimsy attributions, not much customer care. Uh, instruments weren't very well set up, 
And we just thought, you know what, we can do a better job of this uh, on kind of all, all, all levels. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was a transitional moment for the auction industry in general. Um, the internet had sort of had, had just made the, the whole eBay platform a, a, a possibility. And we, we, we latched onto that. And um, originally it was, it was Chris Rooning, Dimitri Gindin, and myself. And those guys, I was 22 at the time, I think. Those guys were the expertise and I was the elbow grease. Nice. Uh, and that's, that's the way it was set up. And we, uh, we had a really, uh, yeah, we just had a, had a quick rise. We, we did most everything well. We, we made some mistakes, but uh, it was all a learning process. And, you know, it's, it's grown a lot since then. 10 years ago, or actually 12 years ago, uh, I bought out my two partners and still am super friendly with, I, with each of them. But uh, and Teresa's gone in a little bit of a different direction. We do a, a lot more private sales now. We uh, have a presence in, in London, and we've just uh, announced that we're also opening a, an office in Berlin. Um, Congratulations, man. Yeah, it's something, something good to look forward to. Um, something really good to look forward to. And, you know, it's a, it's a challenge that keeps, keeps evolving, and uh, we keep it pretty, uh, pretty entrepreneurial in that we like, to, we like to make every day different. We don't like to settle. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we like the challenges. It's also nice to see so many other new ideas happening in this business and to, you know, try to keep pace with them and incorporate them. And, uh, it's, it's a dynamic space these days. Right on. What are some of these new ideas? Can you expound on that? Uh, new ideas for us? Um, well, uh, we had fun this last, um, this last April with a, with an, an artificial intelligence joke. And it was a joke that turned out to be not a joke. That we we have a we have a guy we've been working with for the past two years to um, to create a, a an indexed map of the Cozio archive. And it sounds dorky and it sounds completely off track for what expertise should be, but it's really fascinating. Um, the, the the there are there are some four hundred thousand images in the Cozio archive, and uh, they're. You, you can you can break them down into uh, into categories you know two piece back one piece back you can break them down into how many uh, how many dings are on the front and where they are and to what the green configuration and the flame configuration is like and yeah we made a map for it but the fun thing we had is on April first we we pretended that we had this machine that could tell people what things are <laughs> I thought it was going to be like I thought it was going to be very easy to do this and so I just cleared my morning and sat at home in front of the computer and. You know, I was the the dude behind the behind the curtain who was fielding all these submissions. Oh no way! And my girlfriend Melanie was there too, and she was like, I had her doing what you know what, whether something was a one piece or a two piece because that was simple. And then I was there trying to like do robotic five second expertise. This is French eighteen forty. <laughs> this is German uh, uh, mid twentieth century. I mean, it was it became a it became a, a joke pretty quickly. But we had fun, and I hope I hope people had fun looking at it. <laughs> oh uh, well. Maestronet.com had a good time <laughs> lambasting one another about uh, about the results. I, I loved it. You, you I, I love those, those, those dialogues, too. I love them. <laughs> They're so funny. So your operation is named after Luigi Teresio. Uh, he yes. was Milanese. He bought the huge acquisition from Count Cozio, who was the patron of, of my favorite maker, Guadagnini. Yes. Um, and you reference him a lot, actually, with the the archive, which is the first commercially accessible archive for for photos and expertise uh, that's you know existed outside of working at a shop. And your Cozio Carteggio, um, if I mispronounce things, forgive me. No, you got uh, it. 
That's it. Uh, can you give us a light dusting of what we need to know about those two men and why you personally connected to them for your operation? I, absolutely. I mean, they are they are the two mythical figures of uh, of collecting and dealing yeah. in the early parts of our uh, of of our collective history. Uh, Luigi Terizio was a, a, a humble man who um, was uh, in uh, was a carpenter and knew something about violins. Whether either he he played them or liked them, but he started gathering them up. And uh, it was a time when, I mean, this is, this is all familiar to everyone who's hearing this podcast, so I won't, I won't go into too much detail, but mm-hmm. he ended up with a huge collection of great instruments, kind of by hook and crook. I mean, I think some of his, I think some of his tactics were probably not so, uh, you know, antique dealers of America certified, um, <laughs> but, but I, I think he, he got it done. And then Count Cozio was kind of the opposite end of the spectrum in that he was a, he was a man of noble birth who had a, an aristocratic uh, uh, family lineage and c- couldn't even, he, he couldn't even engage with, uh, you know, the buying and selling of instruments directly. He had to have agents do this and his agent Barone, and there was another one, uh, Anselmi, who he used to, you know, basically say, go out and buy that violin for, for, for me. And, and, and they would do it. Um, and Cosio obviously is famous for having written down things from an early age. He yeah, had notes. Yeah, yeah. He was, he, he was friendly with the leading Milanese makers. He knew Paolo Stradivari. Um, and th- this is this is one of our best primary sources on what happened in the good old days. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and people have have studied his his his, his original carteggios um, uh, quite intensively, and they, they remain one of the most important uh, well his early historical documents from our our India. Yeah, one of my favorite bits of uh, apocrypha about him is him bringing a, a Bergonzi to a maker he was working with and going, can you snub these quarters back? They're just too long. You know? Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, the, the best part about it is he wrote that down. I mean, word. Yeah. Yeah. So we know. Uh, that's, that's, that's great. Yes. We, we took our name from Teresio, um just because that seemed to be our spirit. We were going to, we were going to bring violence from one place to the, the other and sort of add value to him along the way. We've, found our our ethical beacons elsewhere um we're we're uh we're we're, we're trying to be a little more professional than the than Teresio, who was a little bit of a uh, you know a, a wheeler dealer gypsy an um, operator yeah. exactly that's the way to put it so for your training leading into this work um i've read you saying that the lineage of renato scrolovezza's family appealed to you that unbroken line back to what we call the the golden age um, the pedigree, the the anchor line metaphor again. Yeah, I I I have so much respect for uh, for Skrulovetsa and his approach to things, but I got there. I mean, I wasn't I, I didn't arrive uh, in Italy intending to to study with him. It was, it was sort of an accident. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask for clarity. I heard that you you enrolled at the school in Cremona, but a week later you were studying under uh, Renato. Yeah. <laughs> that's a quick turnaround. Man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, uh, that's kind of a, that's kind of a funny story. I, I told my parents in August that I was going to go study violin making and I signed up to the, the Cremona school. And this is in 1995. And I think basically anybody could just write them a postcard at that time and say, Hey guys, here I come. And you know, you had a place at the school. Yeah. I didn't do anything special to, to get there. When I got there, it was um, it was a little haphazard. I had told my parents in August that I was going to go study violin making, and I was leaving in September. I mean, to back up a little bit, I had one of the real formative things that happened to me is I had convinced 
Chris Rooney to let me sweep his floors when I was a sophomore in college. And <laughs> that was like that, that the summer between sophomore and sorry, not college, high school, between sophomore and junior year of high school. Uh, I just, it really was a, a fundamental thing that sort of switched something on in me that I couldn't turn off. Um, yeah. So I, I got to, I arrived in Cremona, not speaking much Italian, not at all. And I, I kind of felt that the the Cremona school was just a little bit too sterile. Um, it was a very, I think things have changed a lot since then, but everybody was making these sort of orange pumpkins that didn't really have too much, uh, <laughs> I don't know, too much character. And yeah, obviously yeah, they yeah. changed. I don't mean to, you know, say anything, anything bad about it, but. But it was a time in the industry when that was the deal. That's right. That's exactly right. And someone introduced me to uh, Renato after a week there. I just kind of clicked with this guy who, he's, he was one of the violin makers in Italy, which still came out of a regional school. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all of the other makers who were active then and certainly who are active now, they're great. They're better than ever before. Um, they're super talented and super knowledgeable, but they don't necessarily grow out of a tradition. And, and this, to me, in I think most other people, is what makes that Italian style of violin making so strong is that everything comes from a tradition. You can spot a Turin violin 20 feet away by certain characteristics. Or, uh, you, yeah. you know, you can spot the, the relationship between the teacher and the student. And that just helps. It helps give everything, like you said, a, a link on that anchor chain. It, it connects things one to the next. And I kind of had the sense that I wasn't going to get that in the Cremona school. I won't tell you who I was studying with because that wouldn't be cool. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So you, you ended up moving to Parma, which is near by to yeah. Cremona and you yeah. spent three years there. Is that correct? Well, I lived in Cremona the whole time, okay. but I, I, I went back and forth uh, and studied with, with Renato. And, um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a few people of note in Cremona. I mean, the, the best maker obviously <laughs> is Omo Bono. Absolutely. Your namesake. That's our guy. <laughs> yeah. I did want to draw a connection uh, when you were talking about uh, uh, Count Cosio uh, and his collection when you went back there, some of his um, original collection was Strad's making tools, and they still remain in Cremona. I got to put my eyes on those, uh, which was delightful. Did you also get to go visit those original making tools? That's so cool, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, it's just it's so moving to see those, um, and, and to know that like this was this is a template that uh, you know our, our big our big guru used. It's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're very lucky. The hair on the back of my neck still stands up 20 years into this, just thinking about that feeling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're, we're in a new age with auctions. Um, And I mean, from my standpoint as a luthier, I I see Teresio as running the show and in no way to, to put down or diminish, you know, the auction houses, which have been around for such a long time, but with the accessibility and then still maintaining the shows where people can go put hands and eyes or send their friend to put hands and eyes and FaceTime with the stuff you guys have for sale. Um, you've really, you've really changed the way we consider buying stuff. Um, you also, you do private sales, investment loans, fine instruments, auctions, you lend stuff out, uh, so you've blurred lines which were clearly delineated before Teresio, the ability to show something privately as well as in a public cattle call, 
Are there issues that this has raised? Are there issues that people have brought up to you that they feel it has raised? I think Teresio is one player in, in that, uh, and I think there there have been a lot of other, uh, you know, simultaneous innovations that have really uh, have have changed the the landscape in the past twenty years and continue to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are trying to do a, a lot of different things, and sometimes that uh, sometimes that's a little confusing. Sometimes people don't understand the difference between why something should be sold at auction and why something needs to be sold privately, mm-hmm. uh, and that takes a little education. Um, we also know our limits. Uh, you know, we're we're um, we, we we don't try to do private sales on a on a on certain levels. Uh, we 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 start at a certain point and go up. Yeah, it's it's we, we are trying to do different things. I think the the one sector that's going to expand tremendously in the next uh, ten or twenty years is the the idea of uh, loaning instruments. And obviously, there are many great places that do this already. We're doing it with our Teresio Trust, which allows patrons and owners a sort of framework to 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 have their instruments played by by people who should be playing them. Um, the Strad Society did that before this. The Nippon F- uh, Foundation did it. Dextra does it. Chime does it. There are a lot of great people who are doing it. And I think this is this is going to be, this is here to stay. It's really wonderful. I mean, I, I, I work with NSO musicians and, and see the caliber of instrument that you're making available to serious musicians who are, who are playing at a level that they deserve and can handle that level of instrument and jason it's great man what's your favorite fiddle of the of the nso bunch i geez now i'm gonna blank you put me on this <laughs> oh no I didn't even... <laughs> no it's uh it's probably the it's probably the rugeri that um yes. cincinnatus has yeah. yes that's yeah, a, that's, that's a killer man that is great that's great that's a killer yeah yeah the, i mean every time i get a rugeri in my hands i go god damn i'm bad at this <laughs> i should go with carve a scroll you know <laughs> yes you know i mean one of my predictions is that i i think the rugeri family is the underappreciated horse in uh in cremona i mean I, and i'm not the only person to, to think this but particularly the the passing of ge- the generation well you know Fran- the late francesco's and then onto vincenzo these are great fiddles and, oh man yeah and they're undervalued right now yeah and, and you think the the and I, although you know of course we don't know this for sure but it sure looks like strad had something to do with the ruggeri shop and not mm-hmm. the shop and we have a fairly good idea that bergonzi had something to do with vincenzo ruggeri this is this is like super important and I, I think these these makers are going to only increase in, in in importance well said i mean you can sit down with the, i mean those connections you just raised and just look at the underside of the upper corners and they were holding the knife the same way like it's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty straightforward Great. Yes. yeah it's uh i've been really surprised and not surprised but because i'm, I'm actually chuffed about uh about um Turin, but I've been yeah. amazed at the prices that Turin instruments have garnered recently. And it's, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a bubble because we don't really work mm. like real estate. These bubbles don't pop. They're just bells. They're, <laughs> they're just growing, you know? That's but a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it. The secondary Turin instruments, um, uh, you know, the, the Fagnolas and, and stuff like that, like, yeah. The the amount that we're getting for twentieth century fiddles now out of that town, it's it's kind of surprising that someone like the Ruggieri's aren't six times as much. Yeah, that's a real that's a smart 
that's a smart thing to say. You're right. Um, the, the whole explosion in modern Italian instruments of the past, I guess it's 40 years now. Um, yeah. it, it, it's interesting. It is. Um, I mean, some of these makers, you know, Poggi just seems, uh, seems to know no limits. And, you know, it's a maker yeah. that I really like, but I, I, when you see some of the prices, you just start think, thinking, wow. wow. Like, yeah, he was, he was damn good. And this wood is lovely and I really respect it, but wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So you told me to, to throw a hard ball and we would laugh and oh, have yes. some fun. Please. Okay. Yes. So, uh, uh, I want to ask, how do you defend big boxing, the different arms of a traditional industry under one roof? Was it inevitable? You mean putting like, um, uh, private sales and auctions um, uh, and, and expertise under the same roof—is that the idea? And becoming becoming the the Ma Bell that everyone loves with your tentacles across Berlin, London, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I mean, I am the first to acknowledge um, the limitations of of uh, yeah being big. In this industry, I think that the relationship between player and luthier is the most important. Uh, it's, it's the most important link that we have, and yeah. that is something that can only happen on a local level. That's something that can only happen with a great maker who is giving the time to the player. Um, and and I, I, yeah, I mean, we 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 stick up for those for that relationship every opportunity we can, and there's just no way that that. Uh, any sort of big box approach to this is ever going to, uh, to, to, to do that or to take that over. That's really well said. Yeah, I see that. I know you guys do. Thank, thanks, man. <laughs> when, when you are trying to uh, reach into so many different facets, how do you acquire the, the most excellent people and um, how, what's your process for performing at your best with trying to accomplish so many different venues. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, something that I struggle with personally is a little bit of, of schizophrenia between, and I, I say that in a joking way, obviously, um, mm. but between having a, a New York uh, presence and then a London presence. And, you know, I'm, I'm now worried about taking on a third, a third base. Uh, mm. I, I know that we have a, we have a very good, um, we have a very good network of, people within Teresio. Uh, my partner in New York, Carlos, runs the show and, and really has such an, a great instinct for how players need to be treated, uh, how, uh, you know, the professionalism and, and, and respect of a shop should, should come first. Um, we've, got, we've got a great team in London as well, uh, some of whom are going to come to Berlin. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it, it's definitely not, I mean, this is a business of relationships and yeah. you have to, you, you really, you're only as good as the people who are interfacing with your clients, just like any small business, I think. It's hard to have that trust and also have a high standard and then have it become spread out. I mean, I, I struggle. Mm-hmm. I have 12 people at Potter's, wow. more or less, under I, me. And that's are that's there 12 really people hard. in the workshop? There are, in, yeah, including our bow department and Dalton. That's incredible. It's a massive workshop. It's uh, so uh, wow. keeping that high standard and keeping production going. I really respect. That's a the, that's, that's a big uh, yeah. That's a that's a lot below you, and to to manage their flow of work and the quality control, that's not easy. 
We listen to Radiohead and tell jokes and uh, <laughs> treat everybody with respect. That's, that's, that's my secret. <laughs> Jason, this has been really great, man. We've got one more hardball for you. Uh-huh. Right. Bring it on. Okay. Can you identify this sound? Ooh. <laughs> oh my wait, hang on a second. This is from this is uh MS1047 from the Museo Chadi Mariano. This is this is the kazoo that Antonio used to use when he was uh, tuning plates. Did I get it? <laughs> What do we owe you for the certificate now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what is it? What is you that? came from a French horn family. Oh, and I did. How did you know that, this? My that's God. my high school mouthpiece, <laughs> my marching oh, band days. Oh, my, my mother's going to like, she's going to really, um, she's going to be sad that I missed that one. My she's dad and sister are also French horn players. I think I was handed a violin because my mom was at the end of her fucking rope. I, I unearthed <laughs> this just for you. And it oh, has fantastic. 20 Thank years you, of disgusting slime inside of it. Oh, <laughs> it kind of... It tastes like pennies and swamp, right? Oh, <laughs> oh thank you, Rosie. That made my day. Okay, good. <laughs> Best possible answer. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jason, you're getting some time uh, on the, the East Coast with your family. It's a break yes. after getting Berlin going. Good for you, man. Yeah. It, this is. I think everybody's just loving being on the road after, after not. And, yeah, I... Uh, I just I, I headed down to North Carolina. I'm probably not very far from Maestrowitz right now. I'm in uh, I'm in Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good old Maestrowitz. <laughs> well, I wish the best of luck to you in the Berlin opening. I hope it all goes wonderfully and um, continued success to you. Thank you for being on our show. Thank yeah. you both. Keep it up. I really it's I really, really like this podcast and uh, look forward to more. Thank, Thank you. you so much. When you see my friend Robert Brewer Young in, in London, give him a hug for me, okay? I will. I will. I will. He's Peaky Blinders himself these days. Oh, man. He, yeah, he looks good in that. He that does. He, he's the most stylish guy. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> All right. Take care of yourself, Jason. Thanks okay, so much, man. Thank you. Now it's time for listener feedback. Which we haven't done in forever, and I blame the pandemic. But uh, we, I, I blame you. Yeah. Okay. Fine. We have people who have written, <laughs> like actual people, who write us emails. This uh, fellow names. Okay, I think his name is James Rollick. Rollick. And he wrote us about the Iris Car interview, and he yeah. said, he said the like the nicest stuff. He said there he was likes a. Us. Mm, I felt the love. There was a flow of conversation that was like arriving to your vacation destination and having felt as if the travel itself took no time at all, realizing that the travel experience was almost better than the destination. Oh, I feel like I feel hugged. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I'm not wearing clothes right now makes that easier, skin to skin with myself. But you, you need that during this heat wave. Thank you, James. Thanks for joining us on our traveling and destinationing. Yes, yes. And we heard from Guillaume Longval. Uh, he says that he hopes everyone gets out of the pandemic with as little damage as possible, physically and mentally. Word. Also said that our attempts at speaking French are adorable. 
Yeah, he's <laughs> he's I'm probably sure talking about me. Just just his name pronounce pronunciation there. I, I was gonna start in, and I'm like, oh, I'll let Rosie say it Gu- wrong instead Guillaume? of Guillaume Guillaume Longa. Yeah. yeah, no, that's bad. Did, I'm then, sure it rhymes with Guillaume. <laughs> everything does. Yeah, and then of course there is the maestro uh, Will Whitby. Will Whitby. Yes, he says. He just it's short and to the point. Chris, at the end of episode 26, I think you say that you love me, yet you'd never call me. You are just like every girlfriend I ever had. <laughs> well, let's get let's get him, dude. Let, Clearly yeah. we need to we need to correct this. So <laughs> yeah, we need to correct this. And here we go. you're you're on omo right now hello (laughs) how's it going it's going good what a great photo of you and your flock oh thanks man i hope you're having a good day with your kids uh yeah so far so good hasn't rained yet but uh it might later but that's all good (laughs) so uh we're actually recording you for Omo against your will right now. You can't hear Rosie, <laughs> but uh, we just read out your uh, your feedback that at the end of episode 26, I said that I love you, and yet I never call you. <laughs> so we're doing that now, man. How, were you? I didn't prepare you. Is this mean or is this fun? No, this is okay. <laughs> All right, so... We're going to do some... I love you too, man. Oh, thanks, man. I wish that, uh, you know, we could, like... I never call you either. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Father's Day trivia. How many sons did Stradivari have? How many sons did Stradivari have? Uh, Francesco, Mavono, and Paolo. Nice. For sure. And I think there's another one who became a priest. You see, I didn't even know the answer, so we're going to go with... And I'm not sure about that, so I would say four. Ding, 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 ding. I I say that's right, sure. (laughs) Probably wrong. Rosie said you got it right, and she's always right, so... (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, cool. All right. Okay, second. Where is the best place to get something to eat? Where is the best place to get something to eat in Cremona, Italy? Oh, man. I have no idea because I haven't been there in 40 years. In 1974, <laughs> where was the best place to get something to eat in Cremona, Italy? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. There was a bar right across the street from the uh, school. Yeah. That served awesome uh, in the fall. They served awesome ham, handmade, homemade uh, 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 squash torti, tor, not ravioli. Yeah, uh, like gnocchi, tortellini. Yeah, tort, like tortellini, but mm. it's bigger. I forget what tortellone. Tortellone, tortellone. 
Something like that. It was delicious. That's but I don't manly know the name tortellini. Of that sounds good. They were probably, manly. There's probably still a place there, but I'm sure it would be different. Uh, yeah, of different course. Different owners by now. <laughs> my uh, my friend and coworker John Nichols was in Cremona last year, and uh, there was a, a shop that was going out of business in Stradivari's house. And he went down into the basement to look at the stuff they had on sale. And he said oh, that oh, cool. Strad's house smells like very, very burnt pork. The whole basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the secret, Duncan. That's the secret, man. Well, uh, I, I think you're the winner because, uh, yeah, you got both of those right. Um, yeah. Well, I'm also the, the winner because uh, you called me. Well, I, I do love you, and I'm glad you love me back. And I hope you have a great day with your family, man. Will, will you wish him I a happy Rosie Father's too. Day for me? Okay, yeah, Rosie says Rosie and says happy Father's Day. Either. And I never call her either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like a big, modern, dysfunctional family. Yeah. All right, Will. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah, we'll do it again, okay? It's nice talking with you, bud. Hey, happy Father's Day to everybody. Yeah, I agree. All right, have a good one, man. Bye. Bye. Bye, Will. I just like him. What Remember a sweetheart. Remember when he got naked on our show? He sent us a photo of him shirtless, and <laughs> I photoshopped the almost sticker stickers on his nipples. To keep it, you know, yeah, respectable. Exactly. So um, someday I'll, I might publish that. We'll see. uh everybody thank you for submitting listener feedback we always enjoy it we like hearing from you it means a lot to us even if we haven't responded in a while i do personally apologize um thank you everybody out there for being homo sapiens and being a part of this community we love you we love you yeah thank you jason price for talking to us today and we'll check in with all of you guys next month bye bye OMA was an all-Luthier podcast, produced by Rosie DeLoach, Chris Jacoby, and Jerry Lynn. The show is edited by Jason Peoples, music by Invoke Sound. If you enjoy our show, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review or becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash omopod, where you can get your very own OMO swag. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us at mail at omopod.com or call the OMO phone at 240 240- Six eight six five three four five. Thanks for listening. You're the best around. You sound really good on the mic and stuff. You're the best around. <laughs>